Hi, I'm Namusa. And I'm Adana. And this is the Africana Podcast. I don't know uh, what that words really are. It's okay. We'll make them up. We'll make them up. No one knows what we are saying. Hi, everyone. It's us again. <laughs> We're still alive. Bet you thought we were dead. <laughs> yes. So. Oh, life. What can I say that hasn't already been said? We're back. We are back. We've been on this for more than two years now. I know. We like totally passed our two year anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary to us. And to you. And to you all. And to all of us collectively. Es- um, especially the folks on, on our social meds who are like, you, you can't do this to us. Like, do you know we're still waiting? I know. I've seen a lot of those tweets, and I I hear you on a spiritual level. And um, appreciate you. And appreciate you on a spiritual level. It is not, the love does not go unnoticed. Um, Yeah. It's just, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Is that we're we're back? That's what we say. Well, that's what we say. We're back. Yes. With a vengeance. Hi, everyone. Hi. It's been a while. Hope you're doing well. Hope all is well. (laughs) I hope this podcast finds you well. Adidana really doesn't like when people start out emails with, I hope this finds you well. Oh, I hate Without it. asking. I hate it. Whereas I'm like, that's my go-to. Because I genuinely hope it finds you well. This is, well, okay. I think we've talked about this already, so I don't want to belabor the point. But let me belabor the but point. But belabor it anyway. <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't know. It's a very passive way of being invested in someone. Or not being invested in someone. Because my whole thing is, if you don't care, just sit, just don't talk. I don't... You want is, to go like right to the like. This is a former editor. Pay me. me. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the former editor slash writer slash journalist in me. I just don't waste your words. I just don't. I'm not interested. So I don't care. Just say hi. I wanted to. Re- I'm reaching out because of X Y Z. Cool. Great. Like this whole hope you're well. Hope this email finds. Do you though? I love that though. Do you hope it finds yeah. you well? Like, well, do you really care? This is how people. Because if you did care, you would just say, "How are you." Mm, but I want to send good vibes your way to begin with. No. And then how are you? But, but our listeners will know if you ever get a reply from us, who wrote it? Yeah, that's true. Because I will never say, <laughs> hope it finds you well. And I'll my, just say, thank, I'll just get to the point. Do you end it with like, have a blessed day? No. <laughs> I say have a great day ahead or have a great week ahead. That's my usual. What if it's a Wednesday? Enjoy the rest of your week. What about if it's a Friday afternoon? Have a great weekend. Is this a test? It is a test. <laughs> What if it's a Sunday? May the Lord be with you. <laughs> and also with you, <laughs> Sister Adidana. Daughter of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but you carry a CD player, Daughter of Christ. Oh, you go on and about be him. great with your lavender. And your many fathers. And your and no, many your mansions. One, your many mansions and one father. One real, yeah. Who, as we later learned out, was not your biological father. No, but the heavenly father. Yes. Up above. If you haven't watched that video, we've talked about this so many times. If you haven't seen this video, please go to YouTube or, or Facebook. It is one of the funniest things of 2017. Uh, anyway. We're back. But we are back. And uh, it is good to be back. It feels good. Feels great. Feels great. I hope it, I hope it finds you well, Namusa. Feels g- got? What? G-O-A-T? Goat. Wow. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. What was that? I have been out of practice for too long. Yes. Greatest uh, of all time. Yes, it feels great. It feels got. It feel, goat? Goat. Why can't I do this? With you? I don't know. <laughs> but Addie, start us off by letting the culture know what they've missed. What have you been up to? What's been exciting? Um, wow. I'm trying to decide like how much I want to say. <laughs> um, it's been a pretty, well, highs and lows. And I'm learning as my best friend and I have 
talked about in recent uh, Hi Nubia. Uh, recent weeks, like adulthood is just like a sham. Sorry, (laughs) yes, a scam. That was that was visceral. That was from the spirit, from the soul. It's a scam. It's a setup. It's I don't think I was quite prepared. It's just like a roller coaster every day, continuously, forever, every day, every day. There's highs and lows within two hours of each other. I'm like, this is it's a lot. Um, So work has been quite difficult. Um, But what I'm happy about is that. In spite of the fact that it has been quite difficult, I've always, I never doubted that life was good. Yeah. Where in 2016, when we started this podcast and work wasn't so great, I actually did doubt that life was good. Yeah. And so I'm really thankful for that growth, insert insecure emoji here. Um, Nicole, yeah, to know that it's okay and there's just a lot more than this and so I'm really happy and thankful for that um but yeah like I've just been dealing with a lot of anxiety at work um, Fair. and it's been quite paralyzing mm. and I didn't quite know basically the coping mechanisms that I used to have don't work for me anymore because the job that I have now is I think higher stakes mm-hmm. and so what used to work for me in terms of getting stuff done no longer works for me yeah and so I finally hit that saturation point and I am in a much better place about it now. The sun has come back, so that definitely helps. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel better all in all and more positive and more energetic. But I was definitely in a funk, which thankfully didn't seep into a lot of other things. But it was quite um, paralyzing for those Mm -hmm. two months. So worked through all that stuff. And... But also, again, highs and lows. Um, Was also able to travel. Um... Went to a concert in Spain. <laughs> As one does. As one does. Was it an on-the-run concert? Was not a, it was not an on-the-run concert um, because, yeah, I guess, you know, me and my standing, it's quite different from the average. Uh, but it's interesting because I booked this trip in January, and I didn't quite know that by the time this trip would roll around, it would actually be very needed. Um so it all, it all, it all worked out, timing-wise. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling much better. But I definitely needed to just handle mm-hmm. my business. I think a lot of our listeners will be able to relate. Like, I definitely hear you on yeah. being in situations where things are really challenging, whether that's in, like, your professional life, your personal life, your spiritual life, um, or whatever that is. Um, yeah, adulting can be a, a rigmarole, as they, <laughs> as they say. Um, I guess, like, that kind of connects into my first update. Um, I feel like since we've last recorded, um, I have had some very difficult times, um, but what I'm very And 2018, let's be really honest, has been very difficult for a lot of people that Mm. we know. Um, But I definitely recognize that 2018 was a very difficult year for me from everything from, like, health, like, two different near-death situations, um, recovering from those, um, like, the end of various types of relationships, um, whether that was, like, romantic or friendships, um, or I shouldn't say the end, but the transitioning of that. Mm. Um, 
And, like, it requires... Nobody tells you this when you're, like, little, that, like, <laughs> you're really going to have to have... Like, you have to keep filling your cup every day. Um, and it's not enough to, like, fill your cup for a week and then expect that you're going to, like, that that is going to last for the next year. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've gotten... And one of the things that I'm proud about is I've gotten much better at, like, refilling my cup at the beginning of every day. So every 24 hours, trying to refill my cup. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I've been really diligent about is eating well and exercise because it's so integral to my mental health, my emotional health, how I move in the world. Um, And I also recognize that I can't pour into other people who are having a difficult time if my cup is not full. So I can't pour into myself and I can't pour into other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the big things that has come out of that for me is, and something that I've spent a lot of time thinking through, is the commitments that I make to myself versus the commitments I make to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in this season, I've been focused a lot more on commitments that I've made to myself. So, uh, and making those commitments when in the immediate future, there's like immediate gratification, but know it, recognizing that in the long term, it's healthier mm-hmm. not to kind of break that commitment to myself. Um, and so one of those commitments to myself was not engaging uh, with two specific people um, over X amount of time. Um, and so like setting a boundary in which and two people who at some point in time played a very, very critical role in my life. Um, but recognizing that that like the nature of our communication mm-hmm. um, and our relationship needed to change mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes like you don't want like both of those people didn't want that and I in many ways didn't want to not have to communicate with them but I recognized that I needed to put that emotional energy elsewhere um and so and that's been really really hard and that's like everything from like being honest about like you definitely or I definitely been in moments where I was like I really want a drunk Texas person um, but having the coping skills, even while intoxicated, to be like, I'm not going to. And, like, that's a that's a far way. Like, I know we've yeah. all had those moments where you, like, impulsively want to message somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've changed that narrative in my head to, like, it's a commitment to myself as opposed to I wonder what that person is doing. Um, and being able to follow through on commitments to myself, I've found have made pouring into my cup every morning a lot easier. Um, and that will change eventually too. There will be, I assume there'll be a point in time where I do need to speak to those people again. Um, but until then it's going to stay like this because it's the healthier long-term solution and it's hard, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm s- trying to set an example for myself in terms of that when I make commitments to myself that I follow through and hopes that that will also be the same vis-a-vis other people. So I feel like that has been like one big old life mm-hmm. lesson and learning, and I would not have gotten there had so had it not been a really challenging 2018. Well, also ask me in two weeks from now. <laughs> but generally, um, yeah, it's just kind of one of the nuggets that I wanted to share in terms of how things had been difficult, but also ways in which I've been able to cope. Yeah, it's funny because I actually. I wouldn't say that 2018 has been a difficult year, uh, but I will say that 2018 so far has been a very adult year. Mm. So it's not that it's been difficult, it's just been well-rounded in the sense that, I don't know, I just feel like it was a year of life, which it sounds very basic or trite maybe, but... I don't know, like, for example, this issue, and I've always had issues with fear, fearing failure mm-hmm. and 
you know, not thinking that like, no matter what it is that I do, it's not going to be good enough. So either why try or why start? And that, that trickles down for so many different things. Yeah. Whether it's like my confidence in my physical abilities or in my work abilities or in whichever. Yeah. Um, so I think like those two months that I had that were quite tough, like for me, it's, I don't know how to explain this, but yeah, it just feels like it was a full year. Like it had everything it had like getting over heartbreak. It had, you know, really kind of figuring out that this, you know, habit of mine in terms of this fear that I have how it's holding me back from so many different things. It's been a very illuminating yeah. year. Yeah. And once you have insight into your patterns and what got you there, um, and then you're able to see everything so much clearer after that in a much more clearer way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's been difficult. It's just been full, <laughs> you know? Um, I think it feels like my first real adult year, and maybe mm. that's because it is 30. I don't know. But I know it just becomes this times whatever from moving forward, so I might as well buckle up. But it's a skin a skin regime and a lot of self care. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just been it's been very full highs, lows, um, and a lot of learning. And I, I honestly and remember I told everyone I was like I just want to sit my progress this year. I don't want to grow anymore. I'm tired. Thanks God. <laughs> Sincerely XOXO Adidana. And then God said L O L like. <laughs> <laughs> the holier version of bitch you thought. Yeah, except he wouldn't curse or no, she wouldn't that's curse. That's what I'm saying. They wouldn't curse. Nobody, they, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, but yeah, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I don't know, maybe we'll have like the episode, well, we've always, we've always wanted to do like the mental health episode. I'm just trying to decide like if I want to save this for that conversation or if I should get into it now. Um, Whatever the spirit is telling you. It's a lot, though. I think I'll save it for another episode. Okay. Just because it's... But we promise we will have a mental health episode because um, we've been talking about this for, for two years. <laughs> Officially now. It's, it's coming. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm thankful all in all. And I really do feel like I'm going from strength to strength. And yeah, it just feels like all these big moments and big revelations maybe that was because of all the eclipses because i know that was a thing in july and august apparently and so maybe that has something to do with it but yeah i feel like i've learned a lot and i'm not even the person that i was last week let alone the person i was like two week, two months ago yeah. or a month ago um but you're putting in the yeah. work i am yeah and also you know what what i've also learned about putting in the work not everybody does <laughs> Let's be very clear, not everybody does. And so you have to learn... To spot who's putting the work and who hasn't? Yeah, because mm-hmm. not everybody wants to go on this path. And trust me, the last two months were not easy, so I don't blame people <laughs> for not wanting to do the work and not wanting to be better. Yeah. Because honestly, it wasn't... It's hard. It's not... Exactly. It's not a cakewalk. Um, but it just makes certain conversations just more uneven. And it, you realize that, like, your tribe is really, like, two folks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, you get me. Mm-hmm. And you get me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's also okay. Yeah. Um, and that you shouldn't shame people for not wanting to do the work. Just because you're doing the work doesn't make you better. Yeah. It just means that this was the blessing and curse that God put on your life yeah. to, like, want to do this. And also timing, right? Like, yeah. Anything else? Um, 
No, I'm okay. uh... <laughs> no, yeah, no. I'm um, no. <laughs> do I push on that moment? No, it's just there was something that fu- that happened that was funny, and I, I was trying to decide if I don't know. Are we doing another dating episode anytime soon, or should I wa- do it now? Go for it. Did I tell you the story of when I was minding my business with a friend, and then this guy ends up paying for our bill? No, you didn't tell me this story. Um, and we were a bit surprised because we were ready to, you know, pay for. Your, what you'd consumed. Yeah, pay for what we Goods and ordered. services. Yeah, goods and services rendered. <laughs> and the waiter comes up to us like, oh, this has been paid for by the gentleman over there. So we turn, and then it's a said gentleman. And then we also hear, oh, um, <laughs> he says, yeah, he says that he saw you on Tuesday. This was probably a Thursday or Friday. We saw, he saw you, this is now talking to my friend, he saw you on Tuesday, uh, and and he liked your braids, and he took a photo. And You his, did tell me this story, but I don't think we told the culture. And his wife also really loved your braids, too. Culture not to be confused with Cardi B's child. Yeah, with a K. Um, and we're just looking at each other like, huh? What? Wait, what? hold on, what? It just didn't make any sense. Um, so we turn around again and homeboy shows us the photo that he took of my friend and is zoomed in. So it's literally her whole face is the phone. That's terrifying. We're just, what on earth? And then comes back. Um, and so, okay. Then we just wave politely as an acknowledgement of his generosity. I don't know. And then he comes over and he sits next to her and... We're like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Um, he says, yeah, I loved your hair. My wife really loved your hair, too. Um, and we're like, okay, cool. He's like, oh, what's your, what's your good name? He asks me. As <laughs> opposed to what is your bad name? What is your rache name? Yeah. What is your thought name? What is your street name? And so what I, is your government name? And so I naturally replied, Adedoni is my good name. Obviously. Because I'm like, you're not getting There's a record at a jail. Exactly. This isn't, again, one of those moments where I really don't feel like my name is necessary. (laughs) One would be the jail post Jays. That's Mm. episode 12, maybe? I can't remember. Jays 7. Free Adedoni. Listen to it if you haven't already. (laughs) And and then this would be that second moment. No, you don't need to know my name. And then he asks her, like, oh, what do you do here? You know, know, typical getting to know you questions. And same with me. Um, And then... It turns out, and so I ask him, okay, so what do you do? Um, and he tells me something, something or other. But he's also an MP. <laughs> I don't know whether to ask if that's the main hustle or the side hustle. He's a member, an MP, for those who are unaware, is a member of parliament. Did he lead with that? Um, no, I can't remember. But he has another hustle, which I won't give away, because if I give that hustle... Then we're all going to know who it is. we all know who member... Of Parliament, John Doe, John Wonky is so out here. Your your braids aren't safe in these streets. Yeah, who takes photos of people and then sends them to and then uses the pretense of saying, "Oh, I sent this to my wife, and my wife also liked your braids." And she's wants- weird though. That's real weird. Like that is not a normal and just line. waiting for the day that you were going to see them and in then the future, zooming it into <laughs> on the phone, like so the that- two hands not pinch exactly the opposite of the pinch, so that your whole phone is my friend's face. And then you do the wave as you hold the phone. Trying to tell me intelligence is not a thing. Creepy. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. that's Nairobi dating. <laughs> Summing it up. How's your friend? 
Uh, traumatized, low-key, but she's since yeah. moved. Not because of this, but she was due to leave anyway. Okay. Probably a good time. That's yeah. one of the many signs. Like, <laughs> your time has passed. <laughs> You're good to go. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Anyway, just want to share that with the listeners. <laughs> that actually A good happened. chuckle. Oh, Lord. Anyway. Um, shall we talk about rising and still rising? Yes, we should. Um, I'm due for Africa Rising this week, and it's not uh, very far from home. Well, it happened far from home, but the good story is from none other than Kenya. Uh, <laughs> so this goes out to recent marathon winner and legend, uh, Elihud Kipchoge who is effectively the fastest man in the world. Uh, at the, he won the Berlin Marathon, which was impressive enough, because I, mar- that's a marathon, is not my ministry. Um, but he also won it at the time of two hours, one minute, and 39 seconds, which is a new world record. And that is 78 seconds faster than the previous best, which was set four years ago um, in 2014 by Dennis Kimeto. So... Shout out to you, man, because that's impressive. And I don't even know what else to say. Just well done. I watched it. Oh, you did? Yes. No way. Well, I watched the last minute and 30 seconds. I mean, that's usually, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I cried. <laughs> I was so moved by like. <laughs> you would. I, of course I would. I thought he was going to get run over by like one of the para-athletes because there was somebody in a, like a cycling Wait, thing right what? now. I feel like there was either like a chase car, like truck. I don't know if it was like a photographer. I have, there was someone I on a seg- Anyways, there was some. There was some moment where I was like, "Don't hit the back of his legs," but maybe it's just the angle. But anyway, so I cried because it was such a powerful moment. And then he fi- he crosses the finish line, mm. and the first thing he does is hug his coach. Oh, good. And like, just like, two, there's something really beautiful about like two, um, like. African men hugging each other in celebration, and then there's like a single tear streaming down oh, Elliot's face. Oh, um, and like a mate, like that is something n- like yeah. nuts when you think about it, right? Yeah. Like to be that fast. He shaved a minute off his previous time. Do you know how like hard? Normally those things are won by like milliseconds, right? Or seconds. Um, or yeah, whatever. and like a minute is just so intense, and kind of the dedication and the commitment and the perseverance. Um, so yeah, so in honor of a one Eliud, I'm gonna go back to running a half marathon because girl, I'm not <laughs> like I'm trying to get a half marathon time in that time, <laughs> which is like what? still incredible, dude. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I I think we're gonna. Well, I think there's a movie about this where Nike or somebody is trying to get to the two minute, uh, sorry, two hour marathon. Yeah. Um, so there's Which a he whole, was trying to crack. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we'll definitely have it in our lifetime because it, it took four years to shave off, what, 78 seconds? Yeah. So if you shave off another 78 from what he did, you're roughly at like two hours and 10. I can't remember. I can't do the math right yeah. now, but like two and 10 or two and 20 um, seconds. So it's entirely possible they will have a two hour marathon in our lifetime or even maybe under two hours, which is ridiculous. Human beings are amazing. So big ups to all the people who are running and working yeah. out putting their bodies through stuff as I ice my knee <laughs> as I record this episode. Get it, girl. Because um, I went hiking recently, and grandma chic also <laughs> means I have grandma's hair because of the, all the gray hair I have, and I also have grandma's knees at the age of 30. <laughs> Pull it. So, yeah. Big ups to all of you pushing the limits. That's cool. It's awesome. Respect. It's inspiring. Um, 
So with your rising, that means I'm still rising. Your fave. Yeah, I really don't like the <laughs> negative news. Um, and my still rising is actually kind of a dedication. Um, so it's more oh. in memoriam as opposed to something that the continent needs to do better. Okay. Um, so my still rising is just to acknowledge um, and pay respects to Kofi Annan, mm, who yes. passed away August 18th, 2018, um, in Bern, Switzerland, where he was living with his wife. Um, obviously, Kofi Annan um, is arguably one of the most famous Ghanaians of all time. Kofi Annan mm-hmm. was the former Secretary General of the United Nations, um, and he died at the age of 80 after um, what was reported as a brief illness. Um, and so he was a Ghanaian diplomat um, and the first black African to be appointed Secretary General of the United States. Um, and quite recently, he had a state funeral um, with all the pomp and circumstance in Ghana. Um, and yeah, just to kind of, he did a lot of really wonderful things for the world. Um, I think in terms of when you look at his diplomatic career, um, with everybody, there's always moments where people I wish they had made different decisions. All I think. short of glory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but recognizing, like, and and I th- I think he would rightfully take those challenges of decisions that he could have made differently. Um, I think specifically around Rwanda and Syria in different ways. Um, but there's so much that he did do very successfully. Um, and, like, yeah, like, I, I just think now in terms of leadership, like, where... Yeah, where Kofi Annan's, um, and maybe like I'm, I know they're out there, um, but in terms of just like reaching that level and having a career oh, that spans such like decades and decades and decades and being world renowned, um, I think is really powerful. So yeah, to just to pay our respects to him and his family and the Ghanaian people more broadly, because um, now is probably a a mourning time, um, but hopefully also the opportunity to celebrate his life. What I remember about him growing up was that he had gravitas. That's a that's a, exactly the right word. Like I I can bear. I mean, I I was young, and I remember when he became Secretary General it was a big deal, um, because yes, he was the first Black African Secretary General. But I just remembered like, and again, I again Rwanda and maybe other things. But I was too young to know the intricacies of what he could have done better or worse or different, yeah. in that time because I was too young. But what I did remember is that every time he was on screen on TV and the news, he just had a presence. Like his statue, he had perfect posture. Yep. He stood up tall and straight. He had the salt and pepper. He just seemed regal. Yeah. From what I remember as a kid, um, he could command a room as yeah. well, and wasn't like because he was loud. Yeah, but because when he spoke, exactly. he had something important to say, and people yeah. listened and respected that. And so that's, I think, what I appreciated um, from what I do remember growing up. And I think, yeah, now that I'm an adult, it's probably on it's on me to read up and kind of learn more about some of the things that he did or didn't do. But that's that is just the nugget that I have from from childhood. Yeah. So I definitely. When I first heard, I was like, are you serious? I think I actually cursed, <laughs> if I remember correctly, <laughs> out loud. Because I was just like, seriously, another one? <laughs> um, yeah. Because this has also been a year, uh, I guess every, every year, year, but like, there's been some really significant names who have died this year. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah. And I didn't also, because it was a brief illness and it wasn't publicized, it wasn't that people knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's a good rise, or still, or still rising. That's true. 
for sure. Um, shall we get into? I'm super excited for who we have our, on our on as our guest today. Someone I have known for quite some time, um, but I'm so happy that we get to interview you in a context that makes sense to our podcast. Uh, we have the one and only Dr. Asha Jeffers. Woo! Yay! Welcome. What? Happy to be here. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, so Asha will tell us more about herself shortly, but just to give a brief uh, intro, Asha is an academic and an occasional creative writer from Toronto. Uh, big up the six. Boop, boop. Uh, she's currently living and teaching in Halifax, Nova Scotia. What's the short form for Hallie? Yeah, I mean, it, I say Hallie. I don't think people who are from there really say it, but that's... Okay, well, we're going to go with Hallie. Yeah. Uh, so Halifax, Nova Scotia. She writes about representations of the children of immigrants, the second generation, and diasporic identities in literature and visual media, which effectively just summarizes our whole rias. Bura experience. That was a really pregnant pause, and I was wondering where you were going to go with that, because you broke up the word. You never know. At a very inconvenient place, or convenient place, (laughs) but that's fine. Anyway, carry on. Um, I'm very proud that she officially became a doctor in June. Woo-woo! Oh, yeah. Um, And won't let anybody forget it. So now we're, you can, everybody should just refer to you as doctor. True. No first name, no last name. (laughs) That's all I got. Um, And she has a very loud laugh, which you guys will be graced with for the entirety of this podcast. Hopefully not at its loudest, because that might hurt, but... <laughs> Earphones off, guys. Earphones <laughs> off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today um, to talk about all things diaspora. Interesting that we have a podcast about being re-aspora, so the word that we made up that is diaspora twice over. Mm-hmm. Um, so being born of African ancestry, uh, growing up in North America, and then moving back to the continent, but in different places from where our ancestors are. For sure. I actually, I've done some like academic writing about double diaspora, which is a way of kind of conceptualizing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a bit of a difference between your kind of like re-aspora mm-hmm. concept and double diaspora, because yours involves a, like a sort of return. Yeah. Whereas double diaspora tends to be a, a re-diasporaing in another entirely new place yeah. that doesn't have kind of like roots. Yeah. That's not, so yeah. So I think that they're, I, I'm really excited by thinking about re-aspora. Do you think we could get it into a textbook? Oxford? Yeah, definitely. Cool. You just, this is going to be some, some kid's dissertation. Isn't YOLO in the Oxford Dictionary? If the YOLO can be in it, then I, we can definitely get in there. 100%. Um, I believe in you guys. But I'm just proud that you are the first person that we've had on this podcast that uh, theorizes about what we talk about um, and how we while out on our podcast. Excellent. Um, so I'd like to bring some theory to the while and out. <laughs> and some while and out to the theory. <laughs> but um bum <laughs> a t-shirt. No, actually, though, that sounds like a, no, that's t- a good That's like a Twitter that's, bio. I was yeah. say, that's like a Tinder bio. Well, well, funny you should mention Tinder. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, so, Asha, tell our incredible listeners, uh, what do you do and why is it important? Right, so I, I write about um, people who live in the afterlife of migration. Um, Ooh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so I, like, my research... And my creative writing focuses a lot on the way that migration affects um, generations going forward. So the initial people who migrate, but also their children who are kind of born in one place, but growing out of a kind of hybridized experience by having this kind of uh, migration history. 
Uh, and then, of course, when I write about double diaspora, these kinds of the repetition of migration. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, so those are the those are the kinds of things I'm interested in. I like thinking about humans and movement. Um, and I think it's important because there's a lot of humans and a lot of human mu- movement. I think people I think there's never been a point in history where everybody was just stationary. That's not a thing that existed. But I think mm-hmm. that especially in our current time, so much of how we experience the world is based on a history of people moving, um, even if you are not from a community that has moved itself. Mm-hmm. So I think migration is such a powerful force in the world, and it's not something that just ends at the point of a migration taking place. And I think that thinking about that and talking about that is so helpful in terms of having us all understand our world better and ourselves. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about like what has been your family migration history. So my mother's from Guyana. Um, and she was grew up in Guyana, left Guyana to go to university. She actually started university uh, in Idaho Spent one year there and was like, hard pass. Moved to Toronto. <laughs> Swipe. <laughs> right or left, I don't know these things. Tell me. Left. Left. That's left. the hard pass, right? Yes. Swipe left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, and... Idaho. No offense. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Idaho. Uh, but especially in the, like, 70s, in rural Idaho, coming directly from the Sound, Caribbean. Sounds cold. Yeah, I think and it was potato-y. cold. It was potato-y. <laughs> Stop. People were not so worldly at at that time and in that place. Okay. Um, so that was the end. So she ended up in Toronto, um, where she had family already living. Uh, my father is from uh, Dominica, which is a very tiny island that it's important not to mistake for the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. They're different things. Um, and he came to Canada, went to Canada, since we're not in Canada right now, um, <laughs> when he was 17, uh, and they met at university, had three kids, of which I was the last, uh, and yeah, so we, so myself and my brothers all grew up in Canada, and have mostly, uh, we've, we've all, like, traveled a fair amount since I've not lived full-time anywhere other than Canada, and uh, I lived in South Korea for a year. Um, and uh, yeah, so those, so that's, that's my one short-term migration. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, that's been our family trajectory. Yeah, and you also, we were talking about this whole, uh, like, genetic testing, mm-hmm. um, which I have all the thoughts about. Mm-hmm. Um, thought, thought, thoughts. But you were saying when you, you're, somebody in your family did genetic testing, yeah. where were you, like, what was the breakdown of what that looked like? So one of my brothers did it, um, and he was very concerned that we would come out more than 50% black. He was really, <laughs> like, fingers crossed for it, and we did, so he was quite pleased. It's a match. <laughs> but you're, you're officially black. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, you know, that's always a relief, I guess. As if the world didn't tell you that already. It's now. true. Yeah. Now I'm like, mine better say 51, too. Right, maybe. Yeah, I, I have a lot of... Uh, complex feelings about the whole business of genetic testing too, um, but that's why we're friends. It's true. Um, well, you also know about 
23 and Me, right? Their recent decision. This is what. This yes, is what we're, yeah. yes, we, we talked about it. You should just say what it is. For listeners, if you are not aware, they are partnering or doing something with uh, GSK. GSK, Glasgow Klein Smith or Smith Klein, right? That's what it It sounds like a prof last name, like my last name. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. Um, yeah, so basically, so GSK will help, will use the data from genetic testing to inform their um, R&D. And GSK is a big pharma company. Yeah, for future pharmaceutical drugs. Um, so basically looking at kind of what people have or are more unlikely to have and making a business decision about what drugs to um, start developing as a result. Yeah, I don't love that whole, that kind of information about people being used for business reasons. Mm -hmm. That's not a, I don't think that's a great look. Um, I also, I have, I, as you will have already probably figured out and probably figure out from the rest of this conversation, the thing I'm most interested in is stories. Mm. So the thing about genetic testing is it can give you information, but it doesn't give you the story. And to yeah. me, the story is the part that's most interesting. Yeah. Um, I definitely understand the value of like knowing your genetics for like conditions, for kind of, you know, all sorts of medical reasons. But uh, when it comes to what does that mean for your identity, I'm a bit eh about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we so we came out more than fifty percent black. Um, we Team Eco was Ghanaian. Yeah, yeah. So the the biggest was Akan, the biggest like uh, source, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, which seems like again oddly specific for them to be able to claim, but who am I to judge? Fifty one percent black. Take it, girl. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, um, and then yeah, and then other than that, it was basically like uh, Portuguese. English, uh, some other stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. Speaks to migration. It's true. And colonialism and slavery and all the other movement patterns. Isms. Correct. Um, the other thing that you do when you're not being um, a badass intellectual, well, this is actually part of your ba- badass intellectualism. I like to think so. And I think all first year high school students should learn to write annotated lists based on this thing that you've created. Um, tell our listeners about what you've done. So uh, I started a a brief uh, side project, which is called Annotated Tinder. So good. Um, And it's, uh, I I was flipping through various Tinder profiles with some friends and realizing that people write some very bizarre things in their (laughs) Tinder profiles. Uh And I thought that it would be very fun to Include like to look through all of these very bizarre things and uh, make some commentary because <laughs> they really they beg for it. Yeah. <laughs> they beg for my commentary, um, and I have I'm powerless but to provide. Excellent. What's the link? Just so that we'll we'll reference it in the bio. But what is the link? Yeah. So the link is Asha Laughs at Tumblr dot com. So A S H A L A U G H S dot. T-U-M-B-L-R dot com. Uh, spelling out loud is not something I'm usually good at, so I think that was right. That was right. <laughs> okay, good. Awesome. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I basically kind of, like, sift through what I tend to rank them based on the ones that are just kind of, like, weird uh, and kind of funny and not necessarily attractive but inoffensive to the ones that are just like, oh, God. Will anyone date this person? <laughs> I hope not. I like so, that. Yeah. Woo. 
Mm. Yeah, girl. Speaking of Tinder. So, speaking of Tinder, Dr. Asha. Yes. Doctor. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> what is your favorite Tinder profile that you've come across? And you can, I know that's tough because Lord knows I've seen quite a few in my day. <laughs> uh, so you can give a top three. but it, And this can be entertainment, bizarre, random, however, which sticks out to you. I have, I mean, I, of course, have many favorites. I'll also uh, totally self-aggrandizingly read you the comments that I made about them in my list. Amazing. Um, So here's one that comes from the kind of milder end that I think is cute, but also bizarre. So in one gentleman's profile, he wrote, just a Wiz Khalifa looking for his Amber Rose. Wow. Um, and I think this one is like a bit sweet if you're particularly attracted to heavily tattooed potheads who look like weasels. <laughs> so And that also didn't work out very well for them. It's true. That did not... Well, they're not still together. No, they are. Oh, yeah, you're right. Come on, sorry, girl. sorry, sorry, she's guys. Been, she's been dating everybody under 25. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 21, 21. <laughs> wow. Who didn't eat vegetables? Do you remember that? Yeah. She taught him how to eat vegetables. Oh, that is a thing that only a parent should teach you. <laughs> <laughs> well, egg. Sorry, for those who didn't understand the twenty one twenty one reference, that's twenty one savage, and I just remembered that they are now dating, or they were dating. They were dating, and, and now she's dating somebody I think potentially younger than twenty one savage because I looked it Ooh. up. How old is twenty one savage? He's not twenty one. No, he's twenty five now. I, I, these were <laughs> these were also my questions, and I was like, I let feel, me get on the Googles. I felt like my parents when I just asked that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just the fact that I don't know that and I'm asking out loud yeah. is. I think Oof, the new I guy is a baller and is like twenty three. Okay, do you, girl? So. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, do, yes, do, do you indeed. Um, hey, there are adults. That he's, uh, he's legally and past legally, like, they seem to be consenting. That's, that's, that's the important part. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Amber, get yours. Um, okay, so here's another uh, personal favorite. This one is uh, on the, the less mild end. Uh, so this gentleman, in quotes, wrote... I will shower you with love, passion, compassion, and tiger lilies. I am really good at making flow charts. Also, they point out your faults and flaws. To which I asked, "Mm, can flow charts do that? (laughs) (laughs) That's the important question. I know. Like, it makes me think about, like, Microsoft Office 2000 and just, like, those pixelated era flow charts. I was like, I don't think that's what a flow chart does. Wow. Okay. I don't think it is. Uh... But, uh, and then, and then the last one I'll do, um, is, I get one that I, that at, at first blush might seem not so bad, but then you think about it more and you're like, oh no. (laughs) So, looking for a muse, please use intelligence and wit. Your brain will inspire me to greatness and the lot of us will ascend to the heavens. So my question about that is, or my commentary on that is, this one gets the top spot because of its... Because of how it's both grandiose yet douchey. Also, who is this the lot of us that he's referring to <laughs> that will ascend to the heavens? Is this a sister wives situation? <laughs> Who's we? We uh, speak French now? A hundred percent a sister wives situation. Yeah. No, wow. those were good. Also, like that's a lot of work. He's asking the woman to take on a lot of right? emotional labor slash labor in general to make him better slash. It's true. I mean, right? if, if I could ascend to heaven. I don't know if I want to carry you with me. If I already have that power. I'm ascending solo on that express ticket. 
While we're on Tinder, can I can I bring up a t- uh, something that I've seen in recent um, weeks, yeah. months? Yeah, yeah. I also have a favorite one when you're done. That Ooh, story. do you? Okay. Yeah. So most of you know that um, I've been swiping since like, like swiper keeps swiping. Did <laughs> you get that reference? Dora the Explorer, swiper, I, no swiping. Yes, I've seen that a lot recently also, and I didn't know, and I haven't had the time to look it up, so thank you for that. Swiper is like the fox that steals from other people, and then Dora says, swiper, don't swipe. Oh. So I flipped that around and said, swiper, keep swiping. I see. There's a lot that just happened. <laughs> You're very proud of yourself, though. You I have am that very face. proud of myself. Yeah, your face right now is like, oh, you didn't know that I knew. <laughs> That very rarely happens. I know. She's really proud. I can tell. Um, so I've seen this twice, which maybe for data points sake is not that much, but it was... Sounds statistically significant to me. But it was it was interesting enough for me to, to mention it, but it said, I'm a capitalist in the streets and a communist in the sheets. What does that mean? <laughs> so what? I have questions. So like, are, do you like play a zero-sum game in the streets and, like, you, somebody has to not be doing well for you to do well in the streets? <laughs> and in the That's sheets, what that like, would imply. Am I sharing you? Yes, that is... Am I farming? Yes. Like, are you taking land over? Yeah. What? How in the... For the how common in, good. Yeah, how no. in the sheets are you communist? What does that mean? This is a good question. Because I don't think communism necessarily means giving. True. I will say it doesn't mean sharing. It doesn't mean sharing. And sharing is caring. So I in the communist manifesto, which I taught this past year. God, I love that you know this. (laughs) There is a part where they're like, "Communist sex." People are always accusing us of like being interested in woman sharing, but this is all about how capitalists view women as objects. So you know, maybe he's just really well versed on the communist manifesto. And he, and maybe uh, I'm he not woke empowerment. enough. <laughs> maybe I'm not woke enough. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe because a very before your thighs were on Instagram. They were on thrones. Yes. Sorry, that's one of our favorite Hotep memes. Oh my. It's like before, it's like a woman, it's like a Nefertiti type oh, painting, yeah. you know, the oh, usual yeah. Egyptian queen. Oh, yeah. And then it says, before your thighs sat on Instagram, they sat on thrones. You know what I really it doesn't love get better about that entire like genre. <laughs> it is a genre. Is like, was everybody a queen? <laughs> right. Like, Every, was everybody black a queen? Question. Yeah. Was every like? I mean, Nefertiti was doing her thing, but not that everybody lady had subjects. She also had some slaves, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, similar to if you're a capitalist in the streets. Are we all, like, are we all doing well? It's true. Is that, that is, possible? It's not how Unlikely. it works. Right. I don't think that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yes, it might lift the most up out of poverty, I guess, which is the cases have been made, but there are some people who is not going to lift you up. True story. So who are you? Anyway, that's, that's my offering. That's what I've been seeing on the Tinder streets, and I just wanted to let you guys know. Mm-hmm. Nusa, what was your favorite? Uh, so I'm actually going to read one of Ash's. Oh, okay. Um, just because I feel like it really captures her response captures my essence okay so uh he says this gentleman caller slash tinderer says i like cars fast not my woman is what he says which is like a bold statement i'm gonna try to fight you if somebody says that to me in first person to which asha responds aka i respond dr asha dr asha of course dr asha jeffers Mm To which Asha responds, Dr. Asha, I like my pain dull, not my men. Ooh! My drops. <laughs> I am very proud of that one. That one's, sure. I think, the best. 
And I'm going to um, find a way to use. I'm fighting. Don't this. get got. There are a fair number of dull men oh, in the world. Tinder, so you get, Tinder. You'll have that right. Oh, there's another bio that I saw recently, which was doing so well until it wasn't. So it said, oh, I'm here for the girl that's reading this even after seeing photos. And I'm like, oh, I'm reading this and I've seen your photo. Okay, I'll, I'll keep reading. Like, that's me. It's like, you know, someone who's, like, interested in, like, good conversations, I'm thinking, yes. Like, that, I, that, I, that, I, that's me. I, I too. I, too. Like conversations. I love conversations. I love talking. Me, too, in a different context. And I like listening. And then he says, you know, road trips and, like, adventures. I'm like, yes and yes. <laughs> Speaking my language. You know, and, like, a bottle of wine, like, fireplace. like Shoot your shot, young friends. Like, yes. Like, okay. And then he says... You know, also like traveling, and I'm thinking, I've been to so many places. It would be great to maybe go to one at some point with you so far. <laughs> and then he says, I'm married. Smiley oh, face. Smiley face? I'm like, ew! Very get rude. that smiley face out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Wait, what? I so, know. like, what? What kind of situation was that? I don't know. I didn't write the profile. I'm just saying he was talking a really good game until he was like, by the way, BG Dubs. Yeah. I am betrothed to another person. Yeah. LOL. Just to like give you that like ultimate center punch. Did you when know you've already like I'm a very excellent catch and someone's uh, already caught me. Yeah. LMFAO. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So yeah, that's like a uh, single tier. <laughs> oh god. Anyway. Like, moves away from Expedia.com. Ooh, Planning your future life together. Oh uh, yeah. These streets. Okay. Um, okay, so I have a slightly more academic-y question. Um, what advice do you have for folks uh, interested in pursuing a career in academia? Well, I have a lot of advice. Um, that <laughs> We have a lot of listeners. Contextual. So, but I, I think if I was going to kind of speak more broadly, um, do it. I, I never, there's a lot of people in academia who will say, just don't go into academia. Yep, I've heard that. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot what of I will always say is know why you're going into it. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot, there's something very lucky and powerful to get to spend your time thinking about things you care about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and potentially making money through those means. And if you love teaching and research, and writing, if you like all of those three things, then academia can be, has the potential to be a good place for you. Mm. But the thing about academia is that it's such a bizarre and complicated and often frustrating place. And also the academic job market is uh, perhaps one of the most bizarre and difficult to get your way through job markets out there. Um, because when you're on the academic job market, you might be applying for literally the only four jobs you can apply for mm. in a given year. Yeah. Um, which I think, even in some more uh, intense fields, is not... I think there's few fields that where there can be that narrow a pool of positions. So I will say that it's if you're going into academia thinking that you're going to end up that professor that you loved in undergrad who guided you and who had a beautiful house on your favorite street in the city you live in. The possibility of that is there, but it's small. If you think that you want to spend a chunk of your life reading and writing and talking about a thing that you really care about 
and you have a contingency plan for what happens afterwards if that dream of professor professorship doesn't come true then do the thing okay um because yeah it's like i would not trade my experience in grad school for the world i spent a lot of time writing about things i cared about talking about things i cared about learning how to teach students and also it's very fulfilling to teach students to think better um and to read better but at the same time um it does mean a kind of set of choices about what kind of life you want to lead uh that can feel like you're slowed down a little bit from kind of achieving um some of the things that you kind of associate with adulthood and kind of settling into a career um you know gaining some comfort in your life but yeah so i mean i i really i would say like if you really genuinely love the thing that you want to research um and if you really genuinely want to do it mm-hmm. knowing that um the results might not be your number one dream then do the thing and like go into it with open eyes but like also a really open heart to the vast number of things that you can learn and see and do during that process do you recommend taking time off between undergraduate studies and a phd yes absolutely big time and in canada do you have to do a masters in canada you do tend to have to do a masters if at least in the arts i think in some in some of the sciences the masters sometimes gets folded into the phd mm-hmm. yeah um but in the arts it's definitely the case that most people are required to do like a masters between uh the ph the undergrad and phd i did my masters right after undergrad and then took 2 years off before starting my phd and that was very worth it um I think obviously when you take time off part of what you're doing is making sure that you're not just doing the thing that you're used to doing mm-hmm. um which if you're someone who's good at school and school is what you've done with the majority of your life so far it's very easy to sort of be like oh I'm good at this people validate me yeah. I should just ride this train um so I thought it was really important for myself and I think it's I've seen this be the case for lots of other people that taking a couple of years off gave me the opportunity to really think about like why I do what I do and whether continuing doing that is the right choice and I feel like it was um and I started my PhD with a lot more focus than I think I would have if I had tried to go straight through That's a good point. I I often tell people that grad school always take your money and will be there so Yeah. True yeah. story. Take some time. Globally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. Would you do a PhD? Um, I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised if I go to school again, but I don't know if it would be for a PhD. Um, I don't want to commit that much time mm-hmm. with that financial situation, mm-hmm. especially as I'm getting older. Um, but then again, like I I would do it if I did do it, it would be something that I would do almost for fun, if you will, yeah. like when I'm 50. Yeah. That, yeah, I would like, do a PhD when after I'm like older. kids are paid for <clears throat> and like put through like life. I think, yeah, that would be something. I don't think it, it, yeah, I'm a five years out of grad school and I don't think that I'm in a rush to go back. But I did take two years off and I'm glad I did mm-hmm. in between college and, and my master's. That's wise. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true in other places, but in Canada, 
after you turn 65, you get to go to university for free. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So if you wanted to do a for fun master's or PhD yeah. once you retire, that's a, that's a I would totally do that. I'm, I have like kind of two big things about what happens after retirement. I would A, like to teach at my old high school. Oh, interesting. Or B, mm-hmm. uh, go to back to school. Why after retirement? For uh, like teaching, because then I feel like I have a whole host of like experiences with which to impart on the next generation, or by that point, like next, next, next generation, (laughs) the cyborg, yeah, generation cyborg, generation like I don't even is there there are not enough letters. I think we will go to Greek letters at that point. Generation (laughs) Beta. Generation Delta, right? Chiroglyphs, the eye of Ra. Um, <laughs> Generation Omega, exactly. <laughs> it's just an infinity symbol, right? Just yeah. These just sound like Star Trek names, right? Yeah, now. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're I mean, gonna have once we get to Zed. Exactly, we're done. Weird. We're already a Gen. We've been back. We're past Gen X and Y, I think. Yeah. Right? What are millennials called? Millennials, the people who ruin everything, like oh you don't oh, buy cereal, me, right? or you get too <laughs> much oh, you avocado don't buy houses, and you're the reason you can't, like the reason you're single is because you're spending too much money on avocado toast because <laughs> you're gluten free and vegan. Right, <laughs> get off. Okay, leave us millennials alone. Okay, we did not grow up in a time of abundance. Hush. <laughs> we did have the internet. Keep though. your lucky charms. <laughs> oh, I, know. I love lucky thing. charms. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow. I'm laughing because it's like... I did not expect that from you. Like our childhood where like our parents would never let us have anything sweet at home. Like they were so strict about stuff like that. So like we never had pop or soda at home. If we were having, like if we had cereal, it was the sweetest it ever got was Raisin Bran, (laughs) which is like Bran Flakes and Raisins with no sugar in them. Yeah, that sounds great. And then so I would go to my friend's house, like if we would have sleepovers, the first, I would get up early and pick out all the marshmallows from the Lucky Charms and just mal them. And this is why I'm so connected to Lucky Charms. I didn't realize I'd be triggering you. I'm sorry. Sugar and artificial coloring or flavor. Like, I don't even know. Sugar, MSG or something. Just like, Baby Namusa was so happy. <laughs> like eight year old Namusa. Are you tearing up? You're oh, tearing up. Beautiful. Oh, this is the moment. Oh, Gosh, I did not. I'm sorry for triggering you. <laughs> Needless to say, yes, the youth, by the time I finally get to teaching, I think will benefit from what will hopefully be a computer a, chip. Illustrious and luscious career. Excellent. I hope your career is so luscious. I hope so too. I want everything to be luscious. That might be my word for 2019, by the way. It's a good word. Spoiler alert for the end of year episode where we take a look back and look forward. That might be it. But yeah, anywho. Um, thank you for that, by the way. Uh, so again, Dr. Nasha, how did you, we talked a little bit about your interest in migration and movement, but how did you pick your specific dissertation topic? And is there any one revelation that you found through your research that was particularly surprising? Oh, excellent questions. I mean, I think, so my specific research topic was about um, literature about the children of immigrants across national and ethnic lines. And the reason I came to that area of interest is because I'm second generation. Lots of my friends growing up were second generation. And even though we had all sorts of different kind of ethnic identities, uh, there was a lot of shared kind of, there's a certain shared shape to aspects of our life. There's something about 
that children of immigrant experience that I felt crossed all of these barriers. Mm. Uh, And when I was an undergrad, I read Zadie Smith's White Teeth, which is set in London. Mm -hmm. And reading it, again, I was like, this book, totally different geographical location, resonates with me so hard. And that resonating made me start thinking more and more about, like, how can I think through the ways that um, the second generationness crosses, uh, that that a second generation experience has particularities to it, um, just like, you know, or not just like, but when we think about the kind of categories we use, right? When we talk about women, we know that there are a whole bunch of other factors to what makes a woman's life particular, um, but there are certain kind of shared things that mm-hmm. women connect on uh, based on the identity of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to think of second generation as like what I would call a subject position. And so uh, shout out to Foucault for any of you dorks in the audience. Hey, <laughs> hey, again, again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Nabusa. <laughs> I'm just. I, is I'm, gang gang not an appropriate response? No, it's a perfectly yeah. I was gonna say Uncle F, but then I was like, that's pushing it too far. <laughs> He's the one who talked about power, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Power was definitely his bag. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. So Foucault talks about like subject position and part of the kind of as a slight uh, dorky digression. Subject position refers to the idea that to be a subject means both um, to have uh, a kind of self-knowledge, so recognizing yourself as a subject who acts on objects, but also as a subject to power. Mm. So um, your so there are kind of um, demands and constraints on you as a subject. So so part of the reason why subject position, I think, is an interesting way to think about different kinds of identities is because it has that inside-outside. Um, Acknowledgement, both that there are ways that you're forming yourself, but also the ways that you're formed from the outside. Um, and so, yeah, so second generationness as a subject position um, was a useful way for me to think about the ways, those overlaps that I was seeing in real life and in literature. And I first, so I, so my master's thesis was also about second generationness, but with a focus on a particular uh, spoken word collective outside of uh, out of Oakland and they're hmm. um and they were they were an interesting example for it because they were of a bunch of different ethnic identities but mostly second generation and then when I was writing my dissertation I was kind of returning to my roots and just going straight up novels um and so in analyzing those novels I was kind of drawing out some of the themes some of the kind of like strategies around second generationness that I found in the literature and that I do also think is reflected in real life. And so the two kind of guiding um, sections of the dissertation, one is about um, coming of age and the way that second generation texts really work through the way that coming of age is both a process of um, the kind of standard stuff you associate with coming of age. So Mm -hmm. like... um, Boobs. Boobs, yeah. Puberty, finding, like, understanding yourself better, 
um, becoming a part of society. But one of the things, of course, that's interesting about second generation folks is that they're a part of multiple societies, mm-hmm. kind of just by virtue of having that migrant background. So the way that coming of age is kind of inflected by or like shaped by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of multiple communal experience. And then the other uh, big chunk of my dissertation was about the relationship between myth, memory, and history. Mm. Because part of what I was talking about there is that myth is a very kind of like popular trope in a second generation text. So like bringing in myths from the ancestral homeland. And part of what I think is interesting about that is that it creates a kind of bridge between family memories and then official histories, right? Because there's family memories which are kind of personal and passed down and sometimes silenced because obviously when you're thinking about um, the way that migration is sometimes or often kicked off through some sort of traumatic situation, mm-hmm. wars, famines, um, conflicts of various kinds. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of family history that's spoken and a lot of family history that's silenced in many communities. Um, and then there's official histories, which are often written by not the people who experienced those histories. So the the way that kind of like a top-down history model produces an understanding of places uh, that doesn't necessarily serve the needs of the people from those places. And so myth can kind of like draw those two things together for the second generation whose access to their like ancestral homeland is to- has to be mediated because they don't they didn't live there, they didn't grow up there. So their experience of mm-hmm. back home mm-hmm. in quotation marks is shaped by their parents, shaped by popular media, shaped by um all sorts of sources that are not direct experience. Mm. Um and part of the work of second generationness is coming to put those things together and come to an understanding of both the back home space and the here space uh, through all these different means. And I think that myth is one of the kind of very productive ways for second generation writers, especially, to do that bringing together. Very cool. And to the second part of the question, was there a revelation you found through your research that you weren't that you were surprised by? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that when I was working on this question of coming of age, there was a a revelation that I came to that I think has kind of like a broader application. But basically the way basically what it made me think more and more about was the way that racialization happens through coming of age. So the way that um, developing your overall identity um, is so powerfully affected by um, coming into a kind of like racial consciousness or a kind of national conscious or and a kind of national consciousness um, and how that those two experiences are kind of like inextricable from each other for everyone, not just for people of color, but also for white people like um, for anyone who they are um, socially, uh, who, who they are kind of identified as in the world, um, shapes their coming of age. And I think that like seeing how those things interplay with each other. So like the fact that your experience of puberty is inflected by the community that you're a part of, um, and that there's no one version of coming of age that is like the standard against which you can compare it to, but that actually every 
experience of coming of age is so deeply rooted in a person's social identity. Um, and I think that that's not something that's, I, that's the kind of thing that's like so potentially obvious, but also not really thought about explicitly enough. Very cool. I'm really curious, and I guess, yeah, I have a little bit of background information because I know where you work or where you're teaching. Um, I'm curious as to how has being diaspora shaped your experience working or second generation, however you want to classify yourself? Um, I definitely think both, like okay. diasporic and second generation. Those things definitely overlap, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. So we yeah. pause. Can we, can I talk about how I didn't, re- I've been saying that I've been first generation this whole time. Like I was wrong mm-hmm. for decades. Well, you're not wrong in that that's like a lot of people do use that designation for like so you were born where were you born in the u.s so if you're born in the u.s like some people do identify that as first generation yeah the reason why i prefer the the other system so the immigrant is first generation and then the child of the immigrant is second generation because i think i think of it as the first generation living in a place Mm -hmm. because you're parents had an American life when they were like, you're like there. Right. It's important not to discount the fact that they were also there. Um, <laughs> and now you got there. Yeah. Still there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So I think that a lot of people, when people say first generation, sometimes they mean first generation born in a given mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. which is fair. But I think that, um, the, the, the designation of second generation gets at more the like, uh, the nuances of the experience. Cool. Yeah. And also it makes me think through now, there's so many folks that uh, you could be both, like where you're born is for a lot of people is not where you end up. Mm-hmm. So that like for your parents, for example, mm-hmm. um, if you were considered for, like you could be considered first generation American, but there might be a point in time where you've lived outside of that place for a much longer time and so then based on where your kids are born what what are they then considered yeah they're gonna be confused I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought but of that, yeah that's a really good understanding yeah. of like and do you caveat that when you're telling like when you are saying I'm first generation I'm second generation do people normally ask wait does that mean your parents were born in place why or how, what has your experience been with that I think sometimes I do get that okay um, because I know we've talked about this before, like people ask you where you're from and where you're yeah. from from. So I generally know what people are asking. And actually today someone asked me, oh, where are your parents from? Direct. Because they already knew and they just wanted to get to the good stuff. They listen to our podcast. So, okay. I really want to know is why do you look like this and why is your name like this? Yeah. So I'm going to ask you instead where are your parents from, <laughs> which it would be a good way to answer that question or those yeah. questions. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to ter- in terms of yeah having kids... Because then it's like, what would they say? Like, grandparents came from Ethiopia? That's just so long. Like, mm-hmm. then what? Like, why are we going to keep doing that for generations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My great-great-grandparents. Like, nah, you're just American, son. It's okay. Just, like, yeah. sit there and or enjoy what's it. Been, and then what is the meaning ascribed to where your people are from, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've thought about that, too. Like, how what I pass down to my children will be very different from what my parents gave to me. Because, totally, like, yeah. they grew up with, like very traditional songs and I grew up with 2121 so like it's a very savage on the beat it's like very very yeah very different yeah and I think I mean obviously like we're of that age group where a lot of those second generation folks that we might know are having their own kids and often with either 
other second generation people uh-huh. from another place. that pool up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we all have like quadruple barreled last names. Just wait for it. <laughs> just, and each one from a different like I know. Yeah, 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 identity. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it's getting... Uh, but I think I'm very interested in what the future looks like. Like when I think about the people I know who have kids and they're kind of like the kind of like trilingual children I know, the kind of like children who are growing up with very like with parents who are trying to pass a thing down, but not the same thing that their parents passed mm-hmm. down. Um, and I think that's also part of an interesting aspect of the second generation experience is that sort of decisions about like how am I identifying my Ethiopianness? How am I identifying my South Africanness? And um, and what aspects of that can I pass down in a way that's like meaningful to me and hopefully meaningful to these kids who are at another remove from mm-hmm. this place? Mm-hmm. I already know. I'm about to raise my kids exactly the way my parents raised me. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> on purpose, or just it'll sneak up so on no, you? They're gonna I have self-first boastful. Except they're not. <laughs> who said they were? And gonna... that's how ch- when children's services come to your house, your kids aren't allowed to have cell phones. That no, will be the you ultimate can, I'll switch. Get them, I'll get them a Nokia. You can call me for All days. All of your children with burner phones. Yeah. Be great. Yeah, you don't need. Why do you need Instagram? What are you Instagramming? Stop. No. Not your size, <laughs> young queen. Keep those on thrones. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I'm not giving you a throne either. (laughs) You get the Nokia and that's it. (laughs) You can call me when you need me. Only number on. Exactly. You know, I'm sure by the time we get to that, there will have, like, special type of phones that are, like, for children. They already do. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. I mean, that's good to know. That only call out, like, you program. It's, like, made of plastic. Normally they're pink or blue. There's gum in it. (laughs) Rubber band. question was yeah. how has being diaspora and second generation shaped your experience working in a predominantly white environment well the academy <laughs> yeah, the ivory tower it is indeed and eastern white. canada yes so, i was gonna say nova scotia yeah. sounds cold uh, nova scotia is not as cold as toronto it's like a cold name i don't know why <laughs> that's fair <laughs> It just seems remote. People are real nice. People are pretty nice. I'm it's like be surprised by that. it's by the ocean. That's pretty good. So I can see the ocean from my apartment, which was like a big plus when I was moving Ooh, there. That is, um, yeah. But I mean, like, so yeah. So it's, it's like academia in most places in North America is very white, um, and when you get out of like major city centers like Toronto, of course, that becomes even more the case. Um, yeah. So it's. I mean, part of, like, the the positive thing that I think that being diasporic has given me is the idea that my place is wherever I damn well please. My sense of the world is that um, there's no place that's not my place, um, as long as I'm obviously doing that in a respectful way Mm -hmm. to places. So, I mean, so yeah, so that's not a kind of like colonial life. <laughs> I'm a flag. Mine now. <laughs> Dr. Asheville. <laughs> but yeah, but I, yeah, but I, but it is coming from a place of like, I can make a respectful and also important contribution to any place I want to go. Um, and so that I think comes from that kind of diasporic, like coming from people who moved to new places mm-hmm. and had to do a new thing and kind of figure out Mm -hmm. um, 
how to how to live in a in a place different from the place where they were raised. So I think that that affects my experience. I think that like sometimes it's obviously really tough. Um, there's a lot of stuff that seems very obvious to me that is not entirely obvious to uh, colleagues. Can you give an example? Well, so for example. Uh, one of the things, one of the kind of processes I've been involved in at my new um, position is curricular reform because I teach in a kind of great books program, which is very focused on like the canon um, and kind of so the kind of dead white men um, are kind of the <laughs> <course>. <laughs> yeah. And they've over the last like decade or so, they've done a good job of. And introducing more women, but they still have been struggling a lot with how to figure out how to increase the diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of those conversations, and so, I mean, it's, it's really good that the institution is aware that they mm-hmm. need to be making those moves, mm. but part of the process of making those moves is having people have to change their way of thinking about what um, students understand Uh, about the coherence of history. Because, I mean, to my mind, history is a story. And it's a story that we are constantly making up. So the the past is full of facts and things that happened, but how we organize that past is an entirely creative process. Hmm. Um, And I think that people who kind of are very invested in the literary canon, the philosophical canon, don't always think the same way about that. I think a lot of them think like, no, there is this real through line through the past that has led to this moment Mm -hmm. through a linear progression. It looks like a whole bunch of white guys. Yeah. (laughs) So I disagree uh, on that idea of, um, of the past. And part of what I think is also the case that I think a lot of kind of older academics don't necessarily realize Mm -hmm. is that like the, so the program is kind of invested in this idea of the Western tradition. Um, and I think that young people today don't think of themselves in those terms. Like they don't think like a bunch of 18 year olds in Canada don't think them, think of themselves as part of a European tradition. Um, even the white ones, uh, they they're, they have a much more kind of globalized and complex understanding of what produced the world they live in now. And I think that they also sometimes don't know a lot about the past. Um, and part of my job is to help them know the past better. I definitely, I mean, I'm sure Namusa has heard uh, some, some tales that I've told about some very bizarre historical claims that I've come across in papers. Um, but <laughs> Can you give a favorite? Oh, a personal favorite of mine is I once had a student claim that there was no alcoholism in the 50s, which <laughs> is not even a real stereotype. <laughs> They were really committed to. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... I have questions, but I'll just... I'll table that for another time. I had many questions myself. Uh, but yeah, so there's, like... I also think it's just the truth that our various education systems are not as strong as they could be in terms of giving students a good historical consciousness. Mm. Um, but that aside, uh, part of how they get a better one is not just following up the things that have been repeated over and over again, but kind of taking a fresh look Mm -hmm. at how we interpret the past. 
Um, I don't remember how I got here, but you're <laughs> talking about whiteness. Oh and <laughs> yeah, diaspora. But I right. Think so having to well. explain things that to me seem very obvious um, that are not so obvious, or and like discourses and like ways of thinking that. So like I'm I'm a trained post-colonialist. Like my dissertation isn't explicitly a post-colonial dissertation, but like my. Uh, all the vast quantities of reading I had to do in high, in grad school uh, was kind of like the post-colonial canon, was the um, the kind of Chinua Achebe, Homie Baba vibes that uh, <laughs> that we all know and love. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's the stuff that I'm so particularly familiar with. So obviously when I'm also interacting with the canon um, that maybe my colleagues are most familiar with, I'm coming at it from such a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I'm reading, like, Rousseau, then the first stuff I'm clocking is all of his super crazy stuff about, like, what Savage Man is like. That's not the first thing they're clocking. Um, so there's a, there's a real distinction between also just, like, reading the same text and teaching the same text from very different vantage points. Um, and that's that's been an education to kind of, like, understand what those other vantage points for people are. Mm -hmm. Good. You saying Rousseau took me straight back to the 10th grade. (laughs) Unfortunate that you had to read Rousseau in 10th grade. I remember reading Rousseau and Locke and yeah, isn't that when most kids yeah, get presented like, like all, first year philosophy? All of that. Yeah. Yeah. Tabula Rasa. Yeah. Blank slate. Oh my gosh. Free will. You just took me back to high school. As an aside, Rousseau, very terrible father. Also Locke. Both of those guys were like... Bad dads. Yeah, bad dads who wrote books about how you should educate children and then also just gave up their own children. Those guys, not a fan. Trash. (laughs) Trash. Yeah, trash dads. Rousseau and Locke were both waste men. You can quote me on that. Yeah, I just learned that term. (laughs) What? I just learned that term. I never taught about that. No, you left that out that day. Sorry, boo. Yeah, no. It's such a Toronto. So Toronto. I learned that through the mayor of Sheffield. What? what? The Lord Mayor of Sheffield <laughs> in the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wore a shirt when Trump was visiting. Uh, Calling him a waste man. Yeah, he said, oh, I, think, I think I said that to Donald you. Trump is a waste man. So I mean, that's, that's how, very accurate. And I didn't know what that was, but I used context clues. I knew it wasn't a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a the best. Yeah, it was like, ooh. I'm a fan. <laughs> Smiley face. Um, so I knew that it was it was something negative. So yeah. now it's all coming together. Okay. Yeah. So, great. And now if you listen really closely, you'll hear it a lot in Drake lyrics. Yes. Oh, it's I still haven't listened he to says, the album. Stop running back to your man. He's a waste man. So he rhymed man with man. Wait, no. Stop running back to your ex. He's a waste man. Which is Sorry, true. Drake. <laughs> Yeah, but and then he rhymes out with plan, I think, after. It's true. It's I not mean, the best rhyme. I've heard worse. <laughs> I think there was a song that rhymed pineapple with pineapple. That yeah. is deeply confusing. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a song that Isn't came out while we, were in, while we came out in college. And we just, it was just so bad, it was good. You know, it was one of the things that you loved. It was to a hate. bop. It's like, no, it was, don't make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Can I look back? No. Just as an aside, re being a person who teaches, I find out a lot of slang from students, mm. but I have to figure it out through context clues because I'm a terrible old person. So the first time I heard bop, I was like, I don't know what that means, but See, I'm just going to have to figure the, it the out. The young people are bringing it back. It's a bop. <laughs> no, 
And we said, stop it trying is. to make it's, Bob it's, happen. Bob's stop. already happening. No, the, the youth, the youth the are youth. saying yeah. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> what else are they saying? The generation eyes oh, of no. raw are saying, <laughs> <laughs> we are not. <laughs> okay. There's a mood about stuff a lot. There's yeah. a mood. No, it's yeah. a mood. It's, it's a it's, it's a, a ISSA. Yeah. Yeah. I like the one where it's like, what if we went to church and like, we, what was it? I sent it to you. What was it? It was something like, what if you went to church and you prayed and staying, instead of praying, it's like, it's a mood. So like, <laughs> like I stand for the savior or like, God, I wish I could remember. It was so funny. Oh man. The, Sorry folks. I failed yeah. you, but just Google like. It's a mood. It's a mood and prayer and church. And it will show up on Twitter, I promise. It's good. Um, anyhow, final question. Uh, what advice do you have for young diaspora slash reaspora slash first generation slash second generation uh, folks looking to pursue secondary education or post-secondary education? Um, or rather post-secondary education, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say... Uh, be curious, get into it. Like there's nothing that you're the, the people teaching you love more than enthusiasm and like genuine interest. And I think that there's like at a lot of universities now, there are more courses about these kinds of topics. Um, you can take, I took in my own undergrad, a course on second generation lit. I took diaspora, diaspora courses. I took, um, I took a course on sexuality in South African literature in undergrad. And this seems like really specific. It was. Yeah, that's like mad niche. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Maybe that's my memoir. Maybe. (laughs) That's your autobiography. (laughs) Sexuality in South Africa. (laughs) Yeah. A memoir. (laughs) Yeah. It was a great course. Uh, when we talked about Namusa, that was particularly interesting. <laughs> hey! <laughs> well, well played. Tinder, Tinder. <laughs> 21, 21. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, and that was at a fairly white institution itself. So, I mean, like, like mm-hmm. at a lot of universities now, you get the opportunity to think about these things and talk about these things with other people um, in a context where you're, like, supported to do so. So, take advantage of that. Like, don't be afraid of being the person who... Uh, like is taking all the race classes or taking all the uh, diaspora classes like do it it's great it's fun the people who are teaching it are usually very excited about it (laughs) so take advantage of that (laughs) and yeah and like you know like for me okay so a big also just like as a commentary on university in general like part of how I grew up with my parents saying like university is about the education, but it's the education is not just in the classroom. It's the entire social experience. It's the entire life experience. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I know I should let you finish, but like all of this does is so foreign to me. I don't know. Your parents were clearly very evolved and like woke and like cool. Cause my, my parents were not about like, Oh yeah, just go to the frat parties and like, just, just learn by osmosis. But did you go? I went a few times, but they had whack music. Yeah. And jungle juice out of coolers, which nobody liked. Yeah, no. I mean, my parents also, my parents, like, met because they were both involved in the Third World Students Association. (laughs) Was that an actual name of a club? Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. But that's what, 
They used to call it. Yeah. I know, but they yeah. decolonized the club, didn't they? Well, well. So what happened was there was an international students association at their university, but it was like all Europeans, and they're like, we want our own thing. So they named it the Third World Students Association. That's right. You take themselves. that power back. <laughs> so, Reclamation. That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, though, that like they're like part of their experience of university was also like in the classroom, outside of the classroom, organizing, also partying, like mm-hmm. also making friends who you're still friends with 40 years later. Yeah. Like all of that stuff is so like, I, yeah, I like the, at the place where I did my PhD, where I TA, where I was a teaching assistant, I like had all these students who treated it like a job. And I was like, you have the entire rest of your life to have a job. Like this is, you can, you can like live much more Mm-hmm. Um, then just like go to your class, go home, stay only friends with your high school people. Um, like there's so there's such a potential opening up of your life that can happen at that stage. And you should let that opening happen, babies. Let it happen. <laughs> okay, so I lied. I actually have another question because you've mentioned a few authors. Um, so we've all heard about, for example, well, maybe I shouldn't say all, but many people have heard about Zadie Smith, who know about Chimamanda, um, and know about Chinua Achebe. Like, who, what is an author, or who's an author that you maybe is in the mainstream radar that you want to give a plug to in terms of second generation or Ooh. first generation? Okay, so writing. for second generation, I'm going to give a shout out to... Uh, my Canadian Canadian brethren, uh, David Cherry Andy, who's got a novel called Sukuyant, um, which is spelled S-O-U-C-O-U-Y-A-N-T, um, because if you don't spell it, no, like, no one can ever tell how that's supposed to be spelled. Um, but yeah, he's a Trinidadian Canadian writer, um, and that novel is a really beautiful second-generation text. Uh, and also just like a beautiful text in general. So I want to shout I want to shout him out because that that novel is really beautiful. He also his second novel just came out. It's called Brother. Um, I haven't read it yet. I'm sure it's great, but I, I can't directly recommend it until I've read it myself. Um, in terms of like, but if I'm going to go back to the Poco classics that I think get slept on, um, there's a novel called Crick Crack Monkey by Marley Hodge, um, and. That is a super beautiful, heartbreaking, wonderful coming-of-age novel um, set in the Caribbean uh, that, I, yeah, that I really want to recommend. There's also a really great Zimbabwean author whose name I always have trouble pronouncing, so I'm going to like look it up while I'm talking so that I can make sure that I say it properly, because uh, she has a novel called Nervous Conditions that's so excellent. Um, yeah, so her name is Titsi Dangarimga. Oh, someone pronounced this for me so that I don't sound like a jerk. Namusama, have a better I feel shot. like you might be better at this. Me? Yeah. But that's like your neighbor. Uh, yeah, Titsi Dangarimba. Dangarimba. Yeah. Yeah, Dangarimba. Yeah, her novel Nervous Conditions is just like, it's. it became a classic so fast after it was published because it's so excellent. Um... So yeah, so those are some some shout outs that I'd like to give if you want to expand your African and Caribbean and uh, Canadian lit reads. I I covered I covered those bases for you. So uh, you're welcome, world. <laughs> awesome. I will look those up. Um, so now, if you've listened to our podcast, you know what's about to happen. If you haven't, this is about to be a surprise. 
You're about to be sweating. <laughs> um, so we have a segment called By Force or By Fire, uh, which Musa has baptized. And effectively, we ask you rapid-fire questions. You don't think too much. We give you two options, and you pick the one that resonates most with your spirit. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me check in with my spirit for a second. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Wow. That was a really quick check. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I will get us started. Uh, still or sparkling? Oh, still. Hard still. <laughs> As you can tell, we've had this conversation already. <laughs> okay. Namusa. Tea or hot chocolate? <laughs> Ooh, I love both of those things. Probably for its flexibility, tea. Okay. Poetry or po- prose? I, again, love both, but if I have to choose, I'm going to say prose. Mm. Um, Interesting. Can I also... I don't think I know the difference between poetry and prose. Could you explain that? Well, I mean, you have forced me to be terribly uh, professory about this. There is... Well, I'm, re- I'm ready. <laughs> great, I did put my hand up. <laughs> it's true. There's greater overlap than sometimes people... Uh, Acknowledge because there are there are prose poems like that's a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. But I mean, most of the time when we're talking poetry or prose, um, we're making a distinction between kind of things that are written in a kind of lyrical style mm-hmm. and more kind of impressionistically in comparison to things that are written more narrativistically. So and that like there's obviously overlap there too because there's narrative poems, but um, basically, uh, yeah, the distinction between verse and uh, kind of full sentences is the kind of like basic breakdown. Can you give me an example? Uh, So like uh, novels are all prose. Gotcha. Yeah. All novels are prose. Iambic pentameter. Mic drop. I, did you learn that in grade 10, I'm sure. I learned that in grade 10, and I've been holding on to it ever since. And today was the day. I've just been waiting for a reason to use it. Shakespeare used iambic pentameter. Bam, bam. Yeah. Gang, gang. True story. Um, okay. Doctor or Ms. When, you're be- when your name is being called over an airport PA system? 100% doctor. Okay. Mythology or comedy? Oh, I love both of those things so hard. I think... <laughs> But I'm, I'm really, I, 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 I did some research. Ah, I see. I, I was like, this is going to be a good question. <laughs> it's true. That is a good one. I, I think I'm going to have to go comedy. I, like, I'm so obsessed with humor. I'm so interested in it. I love making it. Um, I also think mythology is endlessly interesting, but I think comedy is maybe the, where my heart is. Okay. You have a career in stand-up? I've often thought that it would be kind of fun to take, like, a stand-up course, like, Mm -hmm. give it a try. Mm -hmm. I really like storytelling um, and have lots of stories that I kind of, like, go visit. Like, when I went back to Toronto after being in Halifax for a year, I was, like, seeing a bunch of different friends, and I was noticing how I was telling the same stories over and over again, but they were getting, like, honed every time. I was like, that is so true. That's yeah, so true. Punchlines. And I'm going to wait five extra seconds. Yeah. And dramatic then, pause. Boom. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Um, and then the, I guess the ultimate <laughs> diaspora question. <laughs> Jamaican patties or jollof? Oh. 
Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is really like your Caribbean roots versus your African roots. It's true. It's true. You know what? This is a really tough one because terrible thing in my life. I rarely have good jollof. This is so if I if I was talking about the frequency with I was with which I've had a delicious version of those two things, I've had more delicious Jamaican patties. But the times I've had very delicious jollof, I'm like, I get why people are obsessed with this. But it's been a rarity in my life. I've been missing out. Namusa, how do you answer that question? Uh, I think our listeners need to write in and tell us all of their favorite jollof places. No, I mean, like, what is what would you choose? Patty or jollof? I don't eat meat. You can't have... Oh, yeah, there's no veggie patty. Is or there? veggie jollof. Well, there is veggie patty, there but is. it's not the same thing. I'm allergic to carrots. <laughs> there were no veggie patties happening in my life. Yeah, fair enough. But mm. try and get between me and a double and it's a wrap. <laughs> can you explain what a double is for those who might not know? Um, well, I could explain what makes it up, but I think it's more of what makes it important. <laughs> Whichever. So, that's like... How do you explain? Okay, so a double is... Originally from Trinidad, right? Yeah. So like a Trinidadian snack, but you can also have it as a meal, mm. primarily consists of uh, curried chickpeas and some wonderful sauce that I don't know what that is, but it's heavenly. Sounds good. And then it's wrapped in dough, which, what would you call that? Yeah, it's like a kind of dough. I mean, I can't really... Uh, it's dough hard ask. to... Dough yeah, Jason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dough Jason. Um, but the big thing is that's what you eat the morning of... After you've played mass the entirety of the evening. And what's mass, for those who don't know? You went down a West Indian rabbit hole. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta get us out now, girl. <laughs> um, the best week of your life is what mass is. Yeah. Uh, so Carnival vibes is yeah. what we're talking about here. Um, which was the celebration of emancipation of slaves? Yeah. Question so, mark? Like, there's uh, different carnivals around the world. Yeah, there's different carnivals. Like, they're kind of root, like, the kind of uh, source of the Caribbean's carnivals are, is that, like, they were in reaction to the, like, pre. Is it pre or post Lent carnivals that Europeans had? And then they were like, we're having a party. You guys can't come to all of their enslaved Because we're racist. <laughs> yeah. And then the slaves were like, we will have our own party. And make beautiful costumes. It's true. Beautiful costumes. Good food, good drink. Good food, good drink. A lot of, like, interesting playing with, um, like, play, like basically, the, th- the, the magical thing about Carnival is that, like, all the regular rules of society don't apply anymore. Mm-hmm. And all the kind of behavior or outfits or anything else that you would not do any other day of the year, you can do at Carnival. So it's like the Purge. Yeah, but, but way less on. violent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also a lot of jumping and waving. Yes. And winding. Jump on wave. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Just yes. put a double in your hand at five in the morning. Listen, I don't let the glasses fool you. Guys. <laughs> oh, okay. I do actually, like, since we, since various Caribbean things came up um, and I was doing diasporic shout outs, I want to give a shout out to the documentary Del Puri Diaspora hmm. by Richard Fung. Um that is like a, a documentary that's trying to trace uh, how um, Caribbean style roti became a thing because it's a it's it's a very specific kind of roti that is not the same as the roti you find in India, um, and so through the film he kind of traces how it, like p- part of what he's doing is through this food item thinking about the transformation that happens through migration and the kind of um, mixing and changing of things 
uh, that took place in the Caribbean. Um, so, and you'll watch it and you'll think, this is great. And I am also very hungry. So, mm. recommended. Yeah, I, mm, yeah. There used to be a Jamaican restaurant in Nairobi, and I don't know where it's gone. But, yes, there was one! Um, but yeah, that's, I think, one aspect of life that you don't get as much here. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, like, population. Mm-hmm. Although, apparently, there are some Trinis who live in Runda. I don't know who they are, but if you're listening, <laughs> we need to be Come invited. Find yeah. So whatever you have next. Please. How do you know that there's Trinis that live in Runda? Because apparently a friend, somebody I know went, sorry, Runda is like, like a nice part of town, like an exceedingly nice part yeah. of town. Like, it's mm-hmm. past where the UN and the U.S. Embassy is. Like it's, it's like they have sidewalks with bike lanes. Good, oh it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so somebody said they were going to a Trini party room. I'm like, wait, is there? Is this like password protected? Please. Password is doubles. <laughs> um, but if I had to answer that question, it's I have a similar thing with you. I think I might have talked about this on a previous recording. I don't understand what the big deal is about Jola. Mm-hmm. And I know that's fighting words, but I Those really don't get it. Like, you guys are fighting over what? <laughs> don't understand. But it's like, oh, which is better? It's like, none of them are good. I don't. <laughs> That is not sponsored by the Africana podcast. <laughs> These views are her retweets are her own. <laughs> retweets not endorsement. No, I'm serious. I don't understand. I don't get it. Although sometimes there's one thing that I had, and I think I also mentioned this on another recording. I can't remember at this point like what we've said and not said on air. But um, the best jollof I've had was in Seoul, South Korea. Like, I found this random enclave of Nigerians and West Africans. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it on, it's on, so there was Hooker Hill and Homo Hill yeah. in South Korea, which is near Itaewon, which is a neighborhood that borders the U.S., one of the U.S. Emb- uh, US Army bases. Itaewon, where I got my hair done. Hey, exactly. <laughs> also, if you're a black woman, you generally went to Itaewon to get your hair done. Yep. And so, uh, I was walking randomly just... Through Itaewon, there's a Colson, there's a Domino's when you get up out of the the, sub, the subway exit. Yeah. And it's basically like you're just in the U.S. again or you're out of, you're in Seoul, but there's just all this thing. These all, but that's where the clubs were. There were a lot of bars there yeah. um, that a lot of foreigners used to frequent and a lot of soldiers used to frequent. And there would yeah. actually be soldier police to police the neighborhood, mm-hmm. like U.S. Army police yeah. to control their own people on Friday and Saturday. Because they wildin'? Because they wildin'. Yeah. And they, like, I mean, if you ever go to one of these bars that are frequented by soldiers, there's, like, I think it was, it was either one thirty or 2 o'clock, but all of a sudden, like, a third of the people in the bar will disappear because <laughs> of the military <laughs> curfew. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, bye-bye. Um, well, I know exactly what time it is. Exactly. It's like, oh, it's time to go. Um, it's going to be like, that's like how I feel about call to prayer, but that's not the same thing. <laughs> not the same. <laughs> not but not the same. you know what time it is when yeah. like, you're in uh-huh. a yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. I find call to prayer really comforting, and so yeah. like that'll know it's around five-something. Yeah. Yeah. Not the same thing, though. So, yeah, so on Hooker Hill was the... St- gather around, children. This is a story for you. Um, so Hooker Hill was... I don't know who gave it these names, but that was where a lot of the brothels were. That was the red light district of Seoul, where I believe prostitution was legal. Yeah. Um, but at the base of Hooker Hill, 
you had a lot of lovely restaurants. <laughs> so yes. there was an amazing, I remember, uh, what was it, like Chef Sultan? He used to know me my name. Like I was there for three summers in a row. And I'd be like, hey, how are you? And so I would get my kebab from him. There was an Iranian restaurant that was really good. Like there was all of these places. Yeah. And I random, and then there's this thing called Mama Africa. So I was like, okay, fine. And that was like next to the two braiding places. Yeah. So I went. <laughs> And then I went to see, I was like, okay, let's see what this restaurant's about. So I was talking to him, I was, and that was really good. Yeah. And I believe that's the closest to good jollof that I've had, but I haven't had it since, and that was well over 10 years ago. Actually, no, that's not true. The first time, it was like nine years ago, yeah. Well, I mean, you know what you have to do, listeners. You have to yeah. package up some excellent jollof. <laughs> Team Ecowas, y'all been slipping. it in. <laughs> Wait, you know people will. Well, I'm people down. so committed Please, to the jollof. This we is will something... get FedEx jollof to our house, like, by the truckload. Please convince me. I'm happy. I volunteer yeah. as tribute. And like, if, there, if anybody ever finds vegetarian jollof, I would be about that life. <laughs> yeah, but no carrots. No carrots. Yeah. yeah. What we're calling fusion jollof. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know why that brought that up. Oh, right. The best jollof I've ever had. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's really the end of our time today. <laughs> well, it's been very fun. But thank you so much for joining us. How do you, our listeners find you? Um, you're on a Tumblr. I, I'm on you a may, Tumblr. Maybe on the Twitter that we don't know. I'm not really on Twitter. It's I, a Tumblr. I technically have a Twitter, uh, but I update it once every four years or so. Wow. <laughs> so with commitment and frequency. Yeah. Um, no. So uh, I'm I'm very Googleable. Um, I like that. Yeah. It, I'm the only Asha Jeffers who has any real internet presence. Uh, oh, the other Asher Jeffers be sleeping on it. <laughs> There's one that other was light shade to your sister friend. <laughs> Sorry, other Asher Jeffers. Your name is. twins. Uh, There's one in Boston, uh, but she doesn't do anything, so it's fine. Damn. <laughs> Asher Jeffers in Boston, if you're listening, send me an email. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> no, but yeah, so. <laughs> like a 90 year old, like really lovely woman. Yeah, the reason she's I'm not. I'm sure she's wonderful and just not on the like internet. Like cataract. Like just. <laughs> Wow, you created a so whole I narrative. I don't want to put that on her. Hopefully you don't have She's your camera. She's probably a, a young, robust woman who's just decided social media is not What does robust mean? I don't know. It just felt right. It just felt right. I mean, Sorry, we're digressing. How do, how do the listeners yes, how find, do find you? Yeah. you? So, Sorry. Yeah, so if, if you are looking me on, if looking for me on the interwebs, you can straight up just Google Asha Jeffers and you will find me. How do you spell Jeffers? J-E-F-F-E-R-S. Um... Probably the first thing that will come up is my academia.edu account, at, which, by the by, if you look up someone on academia.edu and you click on their profile, they get an email telling them that they got Googled. So there's a weird little tidbit about academic life. So you know that I Googled you. And then yeah. I Googled you too. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, and it I don't know receipts. if I like that. That's not cool. And Can't it, we just stalk you in peace? It tells you, like potentially where the person has Googled you from. So there's a time this year where I got Googled several times from Russia and I was like, the hackers, the hackers. Yo! (laughs) Trying to get into your dashboard literature courses. Do you know there's a whole Russian-African diaspora? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, Pushkin. That's my cousin. Mm. Just saying. Shout out to Pushkin. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, also, I also, I have a short story online, um, Oh, uh, in the Puritan magazine. So it's called The Scar. I'm like really proud of that. So we'll shout Good. it out at every opportunity. Do so it. yeah, if you want to read some of my creative writing, 
Um, yeah, Asher Jeffers, The Scar, it'll come up. There's also a brief recording of uh, me reading the first couple of paragraphs. Uh, and despite the fact that I'm doing a podcast right now, I don't like love hearing my voice recorded, um, but I think it came out kind of nice. So hey. that. Yeah. Um, annotated Tinder. Annotated Tinder. Yeah. So that's ashalaughs.tumblr.com. Um, and other than that, I'm a ghost in the night. <laughs> and I think on that note, there's no better way to end it. So, all right, well, let us be gone then. Thanks so much. Thank you guys. This was super fun. Thanks so much. It's time for proverb of the week. There's so many lessons from the last two months. I'm trying to decide which one makes the most sense. But nothing is. Why do we, why do we both out. do one? Okay, and I'm going to paraphrase one. Okay, are you going to go first then? What? Are you going first? Yes, I can okay. go first. Oh, it gives me time. To so I'm paraphrasing. Okay. Seize the day. Oh. This is a, a variation on seize the day. Okay. Seize the day because you never know when you're going to get another opportunity to throw a red bottom what? at someone at a gala. What? <laughs> Please tell me you recognize a reference. Uh, uh, hello. Have you met me? I saw her in concert this year. I definitely know what the reference so is. So what this seize the day uh, is in reference to is Cardi B. Uh, sorry, let me... Pair, let me change that. You know Nikki, me, Cardi B. Who we, both Addy and I, really appreciate and stand for. Um, because she's pretty regular. In regular the, schmegular. In the best ways possible. Yep. Um, and really relatable and down to earth. Yep. Which sometimes also includes that if Nicki Minaj comes after your child, um, that you're going to confront them. And you're going to carpe your Louboutin and throw it at someone's face. And it's going to spiral. <laughs> Um, and you're going to get a big knot on your head Woo! Huge. for doing that. So, like, I don't really believe in fighting. I definitely don't think people should be fighting in thousands and thousands of dollars of gowns. Um, but I also Although, think, if you are going to fight... Keep it classy? Uh, you know, it's not so bad. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, uh, th- that proverb <laughs> is... The, the, the real distillation. Carpe your Louboutins, Yeah, guys. carpe your Louboutins, one. But two, the real distillation of that proverb is seize the day in the way that makes sense for you, <laughs> whether you're a regular schmegular or you're like... Or degular. Yeah, degular. Or you are, I don't know, running for the president of the world. It's a wrap. Um, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I can top that one, so I'm just going to let you... I'm going to let you have the proverb of the week. That was good. Why don't you tell the listeners how to find us? Sure. Uh, well... You're listening, so that's half the battle. Uh, but seventy-five percent of the battle, really, and, the, and it means we're back uh, on the off on the uh, during the off moments. You can find us on Instagram at Africana, uh, A F R A C A N A H. Uh, you can send us an email at askafricana, A S K Africana at gmail.com. and you can also find us on Twitter at Africana as well. Twitter, uh, and then Facebook at Africana Podcast. Um, but yeah. And expect more content soon. I know we said at the end of the last episode that... We just want to make sure you were on your toes. But <laughs> and also, you can't give everybody everything all at once, right? There was you gotta keep people want mystery. Keep people wanting more. That wasn't more. even the intention. It wasn't this hide and... Because I'm not one to play games, as I think maybe hopefully the listeners know by now. I don't do that in dating. I don't do that in life. It's just like I'm very, very open and honest. Like, cut to, for example, today, a friend of mine saw that I was hiking. She's like, oh, we should go hiking sometime. And I was like, nah, uh, no. And I was like, um, I just want to let you know, full disclosure, I'm in a hiking group and then I'm not going to be organizing any hikes outside of it. So if it's going to happen, it has to be something that you're going to lead. Which I'm is not, fair. 
because I'm not going to be able to organize that. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, oh, but I don't know if I want to lead. I think I'm just going to, I just wanted to join. And I was like, no, that's fine. I'm just saying that I can't plan this. So but if you want it to happen, yeah. it has to come Can that you. person join your hiking group or no? no. Oh, well then. Okay. Um, but the thing is, then she responds. there's like, other hiking groups. No, I know. Exactly. And I sent her like a, a graphic of another one. <laughs> I was like, here, we can do one of these. And she's like, oh, you know what? Just kidding. You're such an adult. Like, actually, let's just be realistic. Let's just hang out and have tea. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I'm very open and honest. OK, this was that not you are. This is not meant to like create like a ooh, if we disappear, they'll love us more. Uh Actually, or the end of a season, which I had originally said we should do. Right. It was more that... Surprise, I, you're in season two and you didn't even know it. <laughs> Actually, no, I do have a proverb of the week. Go. Because uh, it's related to this. And it's what I was about to say. It's like, she believed she could, but she was tired, so she didn't. A ministry, really. And so that is effectively what the last few months were about. Uh, again, I'll say it one more time for the people in the back, in the front, in the middle. She believed she could, but she was tired, so she didn't. And there you have it. Take a rest, people, when you need to. It's important. Um, yeah, just take care of yourselves. Be kind to your, be kind to yourself. Be kind to each other. Do the work, or don't do the work, but don't be salty about the other group of people that's not doing what you choose to do, regardless of what it is that you've chosen. Um, and yeah, just get up every day and try again. There's really not much else you can do outside of that. That was like five problems. I'm just, I'm nodding in silence. <laughs> she is, actually. This is true. I'm seeing it with my own eyes, which have gotten worse, by the way. Did my physical. My Ooh. eyesight got bad. Pulse. I know. Pulling. I know. I was doing so well. Damn. And on that note. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening, as always, and for your patience. Bye. Later.